The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. The buzz today, get ready for it, Driver's Ed. What? Yes, Driver's Ed. Think about the connected car. Do you think you have one? Don't you know? Are you sure? You may think it's a new concept. Sounds very cool. We'll think again. We've already got online diagnostics. We've already got monitoring. We've got GPS. We've got entertainment and communications that have been connecting our vehicles for several years. But wait, there's more coming down the road. You knew I was going to go there. The convergence of the Internet of Things and the connected car could impact us very soon. How? Well, as drivers and as passengers, as car dealers, and as manufacturers and parts suppliers. A lot to talk about. Let me read you a couple of notes here on the connected car. On January 6, 2014, Google announced the formation of the Open Automotive Alliance. That's OAA, for those of you who love initials. It's a global alliance of tech and auto industry leaders committed to bringing the Android platform to cars starting last year, 2014. Audi's on board, GM, Google, Honda, Hyundai, Hyundai, and NVIDIA, whoever they are. Another factoid, March 3rd, 2014. Apple announced a new system to connect the iPhone 5, 5C, and 5S to car infotainment units. I'll leave that one out in the air there. And another fact, on June 25, 2014, Android Auto was announced to provide a way for Android smartphones to connect to car infotainment systems. There's so much coming down the pike. We have invited three guests who are experts on this topic to join us. So my closing question before I bring on my first guest is, should we be breathless with excitement and anticipation? Or should we be wary? You know, privacy, security, so much to think about. Let me bring on my first guest. Well, he's no stranger to SAP Game Changers Radio. He's been on so many times. It's Josh Greenbaum, EAC Consulting. And Josh sent me this fabulous quote from, well, we should do a trivia game here, but I'll, give, I'll leak it out. 1965, The Beatles. Here it is. Josh, I won't sing it. Baby, you can drive my car. Yes, I'm going to be a star. I hope Ringo's proud of me. Josh Greenbaum, welcome. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you. And, Thank, uh, thanks for on, joining Bonnie. me. We, could, we can do a duet. <laughs> I think it would be lovely. <laughs> you are more optimistic than I am. I was once uh, asked, what did you do with the money? And I said, what money? They said, the money your mother gave you for singing lessons. Obviously, used it for something else. And it was dance lessons, but I digress. Josh, tell me how you came to pick this wonderful vintage Beatles quote for our topic on connected cars. Talk to me. Well, because a connected car or any car for that matter is not a piece of, just a piece of technology. It's not just an interesting topic for game changers. This is an essential cultural icon. It is embedded in famous songs. 
if we it is embedded in our history it is embedded in our our everything from whether you're reading fast food nation and discovering how the you know the rise of the McDonald's was driven by the car and the and the and the freeway system whether you're reading unsafe at any speed and watching what Ralph Nader did to the Corvair you're 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 not just talking about some piece of technology this is this is our our country's culture. I grew up in southeast Michigan. Everybody in my, my world was had something to do with, uh, with the automobile, automotive industry, and I think we've got to keep that in mind. We, this is not just about technology, and it's sometimes even about a good song. Ah, you got me. And who doesn't love Shazam on your iPhone coming off of, if anybody still has a car radio? Yes. Thank you very much, Josh. Good intro. Let's go to our second guest. Please to welcome another return guest on SAP Game Changers Radio. It's Joe Barkai. He's an independent industry analyst, and he sent me a quote from Coach John Wooden. And John Wooden is no stranger to SAP Radio. It's don't mistake activity with achievement. Words of wisdom. Joe Barkai, welcome. How are you today? Hi, Bonnie. I'm great. Uh, thanks for having me again. Glad to have you back. Talk to me. Connected car, and what does Coach John Wooden have to do with this? How do we put these together? Well, let me pick up where you sort of left off. Um, I think that we all agree that we're seeing incredible, incredible level of activity in connected cars, in telematics, in the Internet of Things, all these nice buzzwords. But as you alluded to, Bonnie, these are really not new. Uh, we had car telematics going back 20 years ago, if you believe that. Uh, GM's General Motors OnStar was introduced in 1995, so we're coming up to 20 years. In, in a funny way, when they introduced uh, telematics, it was still using um, analog uh, telephone network, analog cellular or mobile network. Only two years later, they had to go back uh, and, and upgrade all the network to being digital, but, uh, and this is interesting and this is important, they asked the customers to pay for it. So they implemented the system. Two years later, they reneged, and then they, um, they asked the customers to pay for it. And I think this will be a repeating theme in what we discussed today. Uh, and, in fact, if you want to go back to history a little bit, uh, we can see, see telematics going back even as far as the Second World War. You know, the German V-2 rockets had telematics. Uh, weather balloons have telematics. Nothing is new. Uh, and, and I assume that as we continue with the dialogue, we'll have more discussion about why all of a sudden the interest, why all of a sudden the explosion of activity in connected cars. But, and this is the important point, and this is why I chose this quote, uh, despite the high level of activity, in my estimation, the progress in connected cars from the perspective of customer value, which in turn drives adoption, uh, and from the uh, ability of car makers to monetize the investment technology, those are really not making progress. The adoption has been quite tepid. So a lot of activity, but slow progress. Uh, I think it will accelerate and eventually get there, but I don't think, Bonnie, to your question, we should not hold our breath waiting for it in the next three or five years. Uh, interesting. And, Joe, to, to that point, should we hold our breath with excitement or with anticipation or with, I don't know if I'm going to like this and if I'm going to want this in my car? What do you think? Is that a good thing we're waiting for or not so good? No, it's absolutely a good thing. It'll come with the regular dose of concerns about hacking and privacy and everything else. Uh, it's perhaps the cost of technology, of progress, cliche, but true. Uh, I think we should just certainly drive to improving our ability to, to get more value from those technologies. But the reason for, for the tepid adoption is really not technology, but rather business value and customer value, and these are not there yet. 
Not in Thank a significant you. way. Thank you, Joe. Good intro from you as well. And let's turn to our third panelist. I'm pleased to welcome, well, his formal name is Thomas K. Wright, but he asked me to call him Tom. So we're old friends now. He's a solutions engineer for SAP America. And Tom sent me the following quote from Sir William Graham Chapman, the Society for Putting Things on Top of Other Things slash Escape from Film. And the URL has something to do with Monty Python, those of you who were wondering. Yes, it does. So here's the quote. Shame indeed, but we must not allow ourselves to become too despondent, for we must never forget that if there was not one thing that was not on top of another thing, our society would be nothing more than a meaningless body of men that had gathered together for no good purpose. Well, that's a mouthful. Tom Wright, welcome. How are you today? I'm perfect, Bonnie. Thank you. How did I do on the read there? Did it come out pretty well? You know, you, you were missing the Monty Python accent, but otherwise, spot on. <laughs> can't do accents. I'm sorry. That's one thing I can't do, as Josh knows. And maybe I can't sing either, but Josh will find that out later. Tom Wright, tell me why you picked this quote for our topic on connected cars. What's, what is on top of what is on top of what is on top to get where we're trying to go? Talk to me. Well, I was thinking more like we just do a search and replace on that quote. And instead of on top of, we say connected to. And we have a good indicator of the whole hype that's going on in this market right now. If there were not one thing that were not connected to any other thing, then we'd be a society of people gathered together for no good purpose. And and that sketch actually goes on to say that they dissolved the society because one of the chapters said, you know, the whole thing is just rather silly. Um, now, I don't mean to say that the Internet of Things or connected cars is silly by any means. There is tremendous value for all of us to be accrued from it. But at the same time, I think I'm in agreement with other panelists that there needs to be a pragmatic approach to this. And, and my personal opinion is that given the amount of talent and resources and money that is being focused on this overall topic, it's just a darn shame to see any of it be wasted on things that are, in fact, silly. And hopefully we can help to focus that because there are some things that, as Joel and Josh have mentioned, that we're all going to benefit from. And we hope to see those realized. Thank you very much, Tom. Good intro, and I appreciate it. You know, I don't know what accent, what accent would I have done? Can you give me just a, a first line with the proper Monty Python accent? What would it have sounded like? You know, I, you're not a singer or dancer, and I'm not a dramatist, but it would be a good English accent. It would say something like, shame, shame indeed. But we must not allow ourselves to become too despondent. You know, okay, go, I got that. Go on in a Downton Abbey <laughs> kind of way. And by the way, I am quite a dancer, so we'll take that. We'll put that one back on the table. There you go. So, and there were a lot of lessons, and they paid off. Josh Greenbaum, you know what I'm going to ask you next. We're at that segment where we're going to do a little bit of storytelling. I'd like to know what's in your cup today. What are you drinking right now, Josh? I know you haven't been feeling well, so I'm wondering if it's something medicinal. It's okay to tell us. Or what will you be drinking after we do the show? Yeah, Talk oh, to me. What the, the Glen Meragy afterwards? No, we'll, we'll, we'll stick to what we got now. Actually, Bonnie, as you know, the only really important thing about what's in my cup is what's on my cup. And my cup always says coffee break with change, game changers. Aww. Your host, Bonnie D. Graham, sitting right here on my desk. And Thank actually, you. today it's a Starbucks via Italian roast, dark instant, because we're using the um, espresso machine to hack the Prius. And I've got a little uh, stevia in there and some soy milk because that's my thing. Um, And it's keeping me fueled. Thank you. Using the espresso machine to hack the Prius. That didn't escape me. Dave Fowler is listening. Dave, please tweet that one. That's really important. Okay, go ahead. You certainly raised the bar very, very high, Mr. Greenbaum. Let's go to Joe Barkai. Joe, what are you drinking? 
Well, I have to admit that uh, currently I'm drinking just water. But, Bonnie, if you remember when I was last on your show, we discussed my experience having coffee in Vietnam and some of the odd coffees that they have. So yes. I thought, uh, let me continue on this kind of international theme. Uh, just a couple of days ago, three days ago, I got back from Israel, which, interestingly enough, is one of the few countries where Starbucks, Josh just mentioned Starbucks. No, mm-hmm. we didn't practice this, uh, we didn't coordinate this. Uh, this <laughs> okay. Israel is one of the few countries where Starbucks actually failed. Uh, you see Starbucks everywhere in the world. In Paris, I saw Starbucks, but not in yes. Israel. And it's an interesting story. Starbucks did not really take the time to understand the market. They assumed, in hindsight incorrectly, that the brand is enough to really penetrate a new market that is fairly loyal to coffee, uh, drinking coffee branding. So they tried to acquire a local brand. They failed. They opened 10 some uh, Starbucks stores. As it turned out, the coffee did not attract loyal customers uh, from another mm-hmm. chain that was also in the uh, early stages. So the other chain is the leading chain. Uh, and Starbucks was more expensive than another brand. It, they closed up. I think it took them a year or two uh, to, to get out of the business in Israel. And, and not only because you asked me about coffee, but I think that the, there is a lesson here, and I think we'll find parallels to this story in the discussion about the, uh, the adoption, and again, I'm sorry to come back to this topic, the customer value in connected cars. I think I'll be able to draw some parallels between the Starbucks story in Israel uh, and what's happening today with traditional automakers um, and connected cars. Thank you very much, Joe. Great. And, uh, yes, I do remember your Vietnam coffee stories. Very interesting. Tom Wright, you have a high bar here to follow from Josh and from Joe. So what are you drinking, Tom, or what do you – now what do you wish you were drinking after the show? Yeah, you know, when the, when the bar is set too high, the only thing to do is change the game. So I'm not even going to go with coffee. Um, like Joe, I've got water right now. But um, i got to give a shout-out to the great state of Michigan, where I think all of us live, which is home to some of the greatest craft beer in the country. Um, Bell's Brewery in Kalamazoo makes a beer this time of year called Hop Slam. And unfortunately, you can't get any of that in the stores anymore. But I'm a home brewer, and I have brewed up a batch of Hop Slam clone. And shortly after the conclusion of this call, my wife's going to be home, and we're going to open a couple. So that's what we're drinking today. That's very, very nice. I got a nice comment here from Dave Fowler who says that's great. And by the way, Dave, who sponsors this show, The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP Services, had to get that in. Dave said he's drinking caribou coffee. Ooh, that makes me think of something very interesting. Caribou coffee with a squeeze of Smucker's Caramel. Oh, Dave, you're going to have to explain more of that. That's fascinating. And guess what? Josh knows this. Joe may remember. They only let Bonnie have water, no caffeine on radio show days. Surprise surprise. Otherwise, we might be singing and dancing, Josh. Guess what? You three have worked very hard to bring us into the opening of this show. Our topic today is the future of the connected car. Vroom! I could have said Zoom, but I like vroom. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Josh Greenbaum is going to open our 30-minute nonstop roundtable, talking about what are we really talking about? Uh Uh-huh, but I digress. So don't even think of touching that mouse. That app, that dial, we'll be right back. Michael, out. Whether-
whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as business simplification, insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, business networks and supply chains, and the ever-present need for speed are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. The Future of Business with Game Changers is presented by SAP Services. Visit www.sap.com. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to the future of business with Game Changers. Welcome back. Our topic today is the future of the connected car. And we're talking about... Cars being connected is not a new thing, but there is a lot of new technology, new convergence coming up with the Internet of Things coming down the pike, if you'll allow me that cornyism, and we have a panel to talk about it. I'm speaking today with Josh Greenbaum at EAC Consulting, Joe Barkai, an independent industry analyst, and Tom Wright, that's W-R-I-G-H-T, at SAP America. Okay, let's kick off our roundtable, Mr. Greenbaum. I'm looking at your notes, and you sent me to rather provide statements here. I'm going to put them together, combine them, and let's see what you think. So first, Josh Greenbaum told me, we already have driverless cars. They're called buses. And then he added, all progress and innovation in the Internet of Things is gated by security. So how do we get security into our connected car? And are they really called buses, Josh? I thought they were limos, but talk to me. (laughs) Well, those are the ones you're (laughs) riding around in, but the rest of us are actually in buses. So, you know, I brought that up partly and uh, partly because, you know, interesting interesting story in the land where Starbucks never succeeded. Uh, once upon a time, a man named Shia Gossi actually wanted to start a company called Better Place and really change the, um, the, the car industry by creating this, this electric car movement um, and actually got a lot of, lot of traction in the, in the Israeli government for that. Israel, in many ways, was a kind of prototypical country for this next-generation electric car. And one of the first things I found when I traveled there the next time was all my friends in the environmental business and in the world of urban planning were up in arms because the infrastructure money that was supposed to go into public transportation was suddenly being sucked out into this, you know, this electric car infrastructure that Shia Gossi and Better Place were trying to put together. And it, it, it was a real sort of wake-up call for me that, we, you know, we, get, we, we are enamored by the car. We love our cars. We are car culture people. And, in fact, mm-hmm. in this country, we're, we're 
hikers compared to our friends in Germany in terms of how what, what car culture does. But, you know, maybe progress isn't always a matter of putting the best and the latest and the greatest in an individual vehicle. I think, you know, society can also progress by looking at some of the public transportation options and taking some of the technologies that we're, we're talking about, uh, particularly in terms of commercial, commercializing the driver's seat or the passenger's seat um, in terms of, obviously, the IoT side of this and saying we, we, sh- we can also be doing this in the public transportation sphere and make it a little more affordable and maybe a little more green for the world. So I, I think there's, there's, we should keep that in mind and not just go for the, the ultimate you know, $50,000, $70,000 driverless car model. Okay, I said that thank all you, Josh. And ran out. Yeah. You, you really did. You want to uh, talk about security? I love security. Security to me is what, what mm-hmm. really, you know, it's the great sobering wake up, that splash of coffee, mm-hmm. you know, in the morning that, that says, wait a minute, we can't do this. There's a great, um, Forbes did a great piece. They got a couple of DARPA engineers uh, to ride around with one of their editors in a Prius, and these guys had a great time um, showing, showing how to hack a Prius. Uh, that's not a fantasy. That's a reality. Uh, mm-hmm. We are going to have a driverless car, and it, uh, what's, there's, there's a bunch of great. There's a Will Smith movie, movie I Robot, where um, where the, the driverless cars get hacked to great, great social uh, disarray. This is not a trivial idea. This is a big problem, and we really have to think about it in terms of what are we going to do with all this technology when it becomes hackable, and now we've endangered. You know, endangered ourselves and our society by having these these very powerful vehicles under the control of someone other than the driver. Thank you, Josh. I'm looking up iRobot. The story takes place in 2035, so that's 20 years from right now. Interesting. Joe Barkai, thoughts on our driverless car, our buses, limos, and, of course, our big topic of security in the connected car. Joe, what do you think? Sure. So, so let me start by actually stating um, that, in my mind, connected cars are not analogous to driverless cars. There is a relationship, but not all connected cars, by definition, are driverless. So we should talk also about connected cars that do, do include drivers, maybe um, you know, not necessarily busy driving, but they do include drivers. And when we talk about connected cars, a lot of opportunities, a lot of value that passengers, drivers can get from being connected to the cloud, to the back office, and so can OEMs, the car manufacturers. So let's just maybe agree that driverless cars are not, or not all connected cars must, by definition, be driverless. I agree Thank with you. Josh. Security is a big problem. I think that some of the examples of, of hacking into cars are somewhat exaggerated because we like those things, but they really show um, a great area of, of, of deficiency and weakness. Part of it is the nature of technology. A lot of it has to do with the fact that the automakers come into this play a little bit late uh, in the game. They don't have the experience, and they insist on, on owning the business. They insist on really developing all technologies themselves, and it shows. It certainly shows. But it's a technology problem, it's something that we can eventually solve. And what we ought to talk about is why it's worth solving, because if it's not worth solving, if there's no value in connected cars, let's not bother. If, if connected cars are important, they do have value, let's figure out ways to solve the, uh, the uh, security problem. Thank you, Joe. Tom Wright, talk to us. Thoughts? Yes, I, I, uh, I like the comment that uh, Josh had made about that we already have connected cars that are called buses. Um, I would just add to that we also have Uber. And a big part of this discussion, mm-hmm. and I think, 
part of the big data aspect to it is some of the predictive capability that companies like Uber are doing to ensure that there's a car available to you whenever and wherever you need it, and somebody else is driving it. What makes it pretty driverless to me? So it's uh, you know, as Joe noted, it's a lot more than just a driverless car. It's how does technology really change our transportation in general? Whether it's car sharing services, whether it's on-demand access to a vehicle such as an Uber would provide, whether it's mass transit, which I suspect we'd all agree is something that needs significant investment to be to be viable and, and take a screen. So there's all kinds of conversations there, and it, and it is fairly limiting just to talk about the autonomous driverless car. Um, so I, I, that's where I'm coming from in a point of view, is let's look at all the options and focus in on the ones that really make sense to us and how do we drive some consumer value. Um, the other side in security, and, and I share some of those concerns, uh, there was a really bad movie that came out in 2008 called Eagle Eye. And I'm not sure if anyone saw it, but if you want a graphic presentation of a worst-case scenario of the Internet of Things and everything being connected to everything else, and throw in a little bit of you know conspiracy theory and government hacking. That's a great example of what happens when the wrong people get control of our devices by legitimate or illegitimate means. But there's a host of other concerns that you know that you've talked to people about. Uh, number one is I think I said in an email. I'm sure that the American Bar Association already somewhere is having seminars on how to pick the deep pockets of Apple and Google the first time there's an error or a. a collision that comes from a driverless or autonomous vehicle. Or on the other side, with the recent challenges around the National Security Administration and others tracking our cell phone records or monitoring license plates, how much more information is there now accessible if our vehicle is collecting where we go, who we see, what we do, how we drive? And what kind of safeguards, in addition to, you know, the malevolent hacker community, are going to need to be in place to manage the legitimate or potentially legitimate uses of that data? So lots of questions. And as Joe noted, if the value is there, I think we've proven that as a society we'll find a way to solve those. But there's going to have to be that filter applied before we get to the end state. Thank you very much, Tom. I was curious. I looked up Eagle Eye. It was 2008, and it has to do with a mysterious phone call that two strangers receive from a woman who puts them in dire danger. And it starred Shia LaBeouf, Michelle Monaghan, Rosario Dawson. That's all I will say. Interesting. Google it if you're curious. We're always interested in movie references, so thank you, Tom. Yeah, Josh Greenberg. Here, let me just say, is yep. a scene where he is driving a car, and the superior computer intelligence has taken over the traffic lights and everything else to oh. speed his path along a route that they have, you know, noted for him. So traffic lights are changing. You know, it, it, I won't go to the whole plot. It's an amusing movie. I wouldn't call it a great movie, but it definitely talks about this whole connected society. Thank you. You never know where. Uh, Imagine. Yes. Bonnie, if I may interject. Sure, Joe, please. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yes, we don't like um, malicious attack on network and so on. But if you take the same example Tom just brought up and say, what if we use the same method to maybe allow emergency vehicles to zip through traffic? Wouldn't that be cool? So there, yes. there are different and, and, you know, and we and we do that. By the way, I, I'm 
a yes, we walk do. from a, a street called San Pablo Avenue here in Berkeley, California. And if you know the system well, you can follow one of our county transportation trucks, the Alameda County Transit Authority truck trucks. I'm sorry, buses. Those those wonderful driverless cars I'm referencing. Follow them <laughs> yes. down the road. They have a they have a system that switches the lights on ahead of them for them, so you can actually run a bunch of green lights until one of them pulls over and has to pick up a passenger. They've got that system already. It works really well. It's yep. great if you know know how to follow them. You can get get where you want to go a little faster. Well, this is getting exciting. Now, yeah. I want to turn so is, to is some... Is it true you can go on Craigslist and buy one of those devices to put in your own car? <laughs> Not yet, but I understand the five-finger discount, at, you know... From uh, uh, from from the, uh, the the corporation yard of the county bus company ought to do it for you. I think this is a driverless conversation here. I'll <laughs> that's take two. A, that's yeah. that's a part two. By the way, Dave Fowler is renewing this series. Uh, that's great news for season three starting in April. So you guys might want to knock on his door and say, the "Hey, we want to come is a back." New black version of yes, uh, Game Changers. Okay. Something. No, it'll be well. Actually, Josh, we have sixteen different series now, and Future of Business is is one of our rock and rollers. He keeps on going, so that's a good thing. Joe Barkai, I'm looking at the notes you sent me before the show, and something caught my eye. Let me read it, and I'll tell you why, and then I'd like you to elaborate, and I know you will. You say, understanding the consumer's mobile digital identity is critical to devising a successful connected car strategy, and business models align with customers' or consumers' preferences. Automakers still don't quite get it. So, Joe, with all of this conversation about, we're, we're joking, of course, about the driverless car, the bus, the Uber, the limo. People love their cars. We're car societies, Josh pointed out. I love driving my car. I don't want anybody else to drive it, and I don't want it to drive itself. I want to feel the wheel and the road and all that good stuff. So what about, what is it, Joe Barkai, that automakers don't get about what you're calling our mobile digital identity related to cars? Talk to me. Right. Yeah, and, and this is, this is in my mind, a key to the discussion, um, mm-hmm. and, and I'll try to go through this quickly because it's hard to describe it in just a few minutes. But I think, in, in essence, this is what I'm talking about when I, I seek the value uh, in connected cars, autonomous or, or others, uh, and why OEMs are not really um, getting it. And in a way, you love your car, but if you think about it or you love driving, if you are in kind of this kind of um, always connected digital lifestyle, type of life, a car is a disruption. Mm-hmm. Taking to an extreme, if you're a teenager and, or you're a young driver, driving is really disruption to texting, right? So mm-hmm. think about it differently. <laughs> There's interesting statistic, by the way, about millennials that despite a lot of comments that you read about how they love digital technology and the cars, they, they are slowly losing interest in owning cars. They like transport, public transit. They would love probably uh, autonomous um, public cars, etc. Anyway, uh, digital identity in this kind of, uh, in our always connected lifestyle, we really need continuous access to information, to services, to content, the way we want to consume it uh, from those content providers that we sub- signed up uh, for. Well, I even want to use my data plan when I um, work this. The way uh, OEMs are treating this is they assume that my digital identity is my car, i.e. I have to buy service from the car that I um, 
from the, 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 from the car makers. I have to use, for example, Sirius XM that is um, tuned to my car. But if I drive my wife's car or even a rental car, I don't get the same service. Whereas my digital identity in my mind is represented by my mobile device, by my smartphone, in fact, by my login. So I get the same experience wherever I am, independent of the transportation modality that I use. Ideally, what I want to be able to do is get all the content and services that I subscribe to um, my choice. I get the same experience, the same services, the same content, whether I drive my car, your car, rental car, and so on. And, mm-hmm. and just to put a fine point on it, today, for example, if you buy a service from, you know, we keep coming back to General Motors OnStar, I pay twice for the same service. I have to pay for my phone and my data service, but then I also have to pay GM for the same service. In my mind, the whole business model needs to revolve around a digital identity that kind of transcends all transportation modality. The car needs to recognize who I am and adopt to it and and give me my services, my Pandora playlist, um, my insurance terms and conditions, etc. So I'm running a little bit long here, so I'm I'm, going to pause here. No, that's that's okay. You brought a lot of good thoughts to the table. Tom Wright, I'd like you to chime in. Thoughts on what Joe just proposed? You know, this is going to be a real interesting dialogue because I'm in full agreement with Joe. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And I come at it from the perspective of the vehicle manufacturing side in that there are certain systems on the vehicle, those that control its drivability, those that control its performance, its handling, its interaction with the environment in a a very visceral and physical sense, that legitimately need to belong as resident for the vehicle manufacturer who warrants the car and designs it and controls the integration. Uh, But the digital identity piece is clearly separate. And a good proxy for that is what we all experience today with a a reasonable smartphone, an iPhone or an Android device, and Bluetooth connectivity in virtually every car made since 2012. We essentially have that because the ability to control Pandora, for instance, and have that show up on the headset of the infotainment system gives that experience. And I I concur 110% with Joe that that remains in a mobile device that is the function of the individual driver. And the mission of the industry is to ensure that that interoperates seamlessly with the onboard systems on the vehicle. Um, and, And that theory actually leads to, and I know we got predictions at the end, but here's my first prediction, that the reason that Google and Apple are interested in vehicle technology has nothing to do with ever building or selling a car, but rather staking out their turf as the provider of the application and the operating platform for the infotainment portion of that vehicle. Can I translate that to meaning advertising platform? Gosh, I hope not. But uh, because permission. that's my concern, and, and though I, I agree with both of you and, and Joe's you know, very eloquent introduction to this idea, the personal digital identity uh, in my phone and in my computer is unfortunately used as much for me as against me right now. Um, mm-hmm. It's a distraction. It's a time waste. It's a time sink in many ways uh, to be connected in that way. Um, on the assumption that I'm not going to have a driverless car in the near future, to have that, you essentially put a billboard inside the car with me, flashing at me uh, messages for things I need to be buying as I'm driving is a little disconcerting, uh, to say the least. And, and more importantly, I'm driving around with my kids. Um, I'm, I'm having enough trouble keeping them away from having their lives sucked into the digital void at, you know, 24-7. I'd like to maybe maybe look at the car as also a place that can be used for repose or escape as opposed to just more of the same. 
How's that Josh, well, 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 controversial. I'm thinking you need a driverless car if you're going to be sleeping at the wheel, if that was the level of repose mm-hmm. you were referencing. So now you're scaring me, Josh. Uh, Joe Barkai, you want to comment on what Josh just gave us? Sure. I, I think that the question about advertising and then content is, is relevant. Totally independent of our conversation, driverless car, a car with streaming information that Tom mentioned, or just billboards, or if you're in public transit. There's no escape from that, and that, again, is something that we have to control, but it's not, in my mind, really related directly to the topic of, of connected cars. I, I just don't see that as being the reason not, not to adopt that. I, well, I completely I'll, agree I'll with say the, the, yes? every, every briefing I've had on the topic, every... You know, every time I've delved into it, what I've looked at, and I meant it seriously, it's a platform for advertising and other commercial activities. That's that's where the investment's coming from. Um, that's that's the mindset. I mean, what is Google? Google is an advertising company. That's that's all they are. That's their whole revenue base. They're interested in this because they want to own that platform for advertising the way they own the search engine as a platform for advertising, the way they own the phone as a platform for advertising. I, I don't think they can be possibly in any way disconnected um, from, you know, in any way whatsoever. I think they're, they're the same thing, unfortunately. And that's, in fact, why the, why the car companies are there, because they're looking at this and saying, we want to own, you know, this is, this is where we, we want to monetize this. Why give it away to Google? This is our customer, the car buyer, not Google's customer. Well, exactly. that, that I think is, is where the, the conversation kind of diverges, because, yes, I think that Apple, Google, Microsoft are interested in this, and I agree with Tom, not to build cars. It's highly doubtful that Google wants to buy, maybe Google, but certainly not uh, Apple want to buy cars. Um, I want to give them a little bit of benefit of the doubt, not that I think that they are not interested in advertising. But if you think about the ecosystem that um, Facebook and, and Google and Microsoft want to develop, they look at information consumers and producers. So it goes far beyond just advertising, a lot of positive value in, in going there. Uh, it gives you as a consumer more opportunities. Yes, advertising is there just like we have today on, on other channels. But think about all the wealth of services um, and content you can consume in a way that does not disrupt your driving, that provides this uh, continuous existence uh, and so on. Um, so I think we're in agreement. We're probably not seeing the same level of urgency because, to my mind, just like, you know, we, we, we talked earlier about security. I think it's security and privacy. And my comment is always forget about privacy. There's, you're going to get over it. There's no privacy. Same with, with, same with, with um, advertising. Um, I, so I, I tell you what. Say that, I wouldn't say that in front of the chancellor of the German. <laughs> but, uh, I, I want to come in here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to come in and I want, I'm looking at, I think this is a good segue. You know, uh, Joe and Josh, having been on several times, you know, I like to, to get everybody up and, and leading a conversation thread. And we've had a lot of voices, great energy, by the way. But it's time for me. We've got about uh, eight minutes left to this part of the roundtable. I want to bring in something Tom Wright sent me in. Tom, in your no- notes, you sent me before the show. And I think this is a good place to start this. So let me read this and then, Tom, you can run with it. And then I know Josh and Joe will just whoop be right there in a, in a split second so you say the internet of things in automotive is for now at least at the top of the hype 
hype cycle curve. And then Tom says his perspective is the hype is way out ahead of reality and there's a massive land grab going on for vision, if not delivery. The multiple players seeking to stake out their turf are the OEMs, the phone companies, the app providers, and the pure technology companies. And Tom concludes there is going to be a shakeout. So Tom, why don't you take us in this direction and then we'll have, uh, I think we've already kind of gone there, but let's see what your perspective is. Yeah, I, I think I think Bonnie, we have kind of headed in that direction. I mean, Josh's comments mm-hmm. and, and the discussion we're having yes. fit squarely in with that. Everybody wants to get their share of monetizing, and and what oftentimes parties seem to con- to forget is that the individual that buys a car that has the technology embedded into it doesn't necessarily want to pay for that if it doesn't add value to their experience. And, and the analogy I like to use is, is the Pandora example, whereby you can get streaming radio on Pandora for free if you choose. The mm-hmm. caveat is you're going to be advertised to from time to time. Or you can pay a nominal fee and get commercial-free radio tailored exactly to your tastes. And if you extend that to the kind of things we're talking about in the car, once the land grab is there, the participants who see an opportunity to monetize that by having an opportunity to reach you, by understanding something about your driving patterns and collecting data that feeds the big data engine in the cloud to, to drive better prediction, if they are going to be monetizing that, then there's an opportunity to share that back with the driver of the vehicle and say, we're going to reduce the cost of your car. Or the infotainment system that is a $1,200 option in your vehicle now comes free of charge if we have the right to deliver a certain amount of advertising to you. Somewhere there's a negotiation with a driver that's going to have that make sense, and it's going to be a fair balance of the value that we receive and the the monetary value that's generated to the people that provide it. I'm not sure what the answer to that is, but it seems to be the only way it can shake out. I want to know what my fellow uh, panelists think about that. Josh Greenbaum. Oh, I have nothing to say about that topic. You know me. Um, no, I think that. Um, <laughs> oh, please, gosh, I, I I would like to think that 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 does have some some antecedents. Certainly, you know, you can get a you can get a free phone from Verizon today. A actually pretty decent phone, as long as you lock in a two year contract and and become a platform of theirs. Um, and I think we can have those monetary trade offs. I'm not sure they're going to be voluntary. I'm not sure they're going to be opt in. I think. The problem is is going to be how much you know how much you get, <laughs> how much do you want, and, and what's the balance between the two of them. Um, but I think that you know the 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 I don't know the we haven't even begun to scratch the surface on the you know the the overall IoT issue because there is the, you know there is that data side of it uh, independent of what it is being put in front of us. It's what what is it what what's going out the digital back door. And what does that mean for our, our security and privacy? And I disagree with Joe. I'm not giving up on my privacy. I'm going to cherish it as much as I can. Well, Mr. Barkai, we're calling yes. you. Chime in. Sure. So it's interesting that we keep talking about the value monetization to the um, car makers, to the wireless carriers, and so on. We, are, we still forget to talk about the value to the consumer. Uh, and I think that we completely ignored the value in connected cars and autonomous drivers, such as uh, managing or improving traffic congestions, reducing pollution, convenience by not having to drive, um, improving traffic safety because these cars are gradually becoming more and more um, safer and secure. Um, yes, there are concerns, but I think that right now we are still unable to demonstrate credible uh, value to the consumer, and in a way, Josh represents the typical consumer. It's unsafe. 
I don't need it, advertising. So going back to my opening statement, we are seeing very tepid adoption. Uh, but I think that we need to focus more on the consumer value and, and improve on that before we can see market adoption. Yeah, and then, sure, then maybe kind of what I was saying. agree that think, it's worth an investment. If Tom, that doesn't ahead. happen, you're right. This is never getting off the ground. You know, and one place where, and we haven't touched on it yet, though, I think we have some talking points on this. Absolutely, when you let's let's bring around, you know, back the IoT side of this equation. If I could have a, a intelligent car, independent of whether someone's trying to advertise me off the road or not, if that car could help me do preventive, predictive maintenance, if that car could keep this itself on the road better, uh, keep me out of the shop, keep me from running out of gas or power in the middle of nowhere, um, there's consumer value big time if it's it's if, and those are things that that we can do now in fact we are doing to a certain extent i'm not sure that you know talk about the trade off i would like i certainly would want more of that technology in my car if I could then, you know, say see you later to, to my mechanic or to, mm-hmm. to even anything but but rare scheduled maintenance. I, I think we we've we, we tend, you know, we tend to look at the bells and whistles, uh, as we've talked already a lot about, of, of coolness without saying, let's, let's get down to the brass tacks of what do we want a high-value vehicle that stays on the road as long as possible and, and, and gives us that, that value day in and day out. And I think we can do a lot of that with some of the technology we're, we're talking about today. Uh, you know, Josh, I, I agree with the sentiment about, you know, uh, the service uh, and repair experience, but in reality, a uh, few things uh, kind of stand in the way. First off, yes, you read a lot about predictive maintenance. Uh, it doesn't really exist the way it's described very often. Uh, and part of it is technology, part of it because car makers cannot really invest more and add more um, cost to the car. Margins in cars as it is are very, very slim. Uh, and then this goes back to the business value and the business model. If car uh, makers... When, we, when they tried to offer this as a payable service, a subscription, consumers voted with their feet or with their wheels, I guess, and said, no, we're not mm-hmm. paying for that because you do not want to pay extra to repair a car that you bought and you thought it was uh, perfect. And, and, and OEMs are struggling to monetize that value going back again to or this service, going back to the questions, where's the value? Who's going to pay for it? Um, so I think that uh, the predictive maintenance, um, I, I will go back to Tom's uh, uh, coordinate still very much hyped. Yeah, still very you know, hyped. Tom, that's go one ahead. Area I would say that we ought to be focusing on is a tremendous opportunity because that's where you do drive some value, as Josh alluded to. And I don't think we have time, but I was going to tell a story about my daughter's wheel bearing that would go directly to that. The technologies exist, and I agree with you. They're not applied to automotive yet, but it's fundamentally a cost equation, and volume can make that cost equation go down considerably, as can finding some other way to monetize that. Tom, yeah. give us the 30-second overview of your daughter's wheel-bearing story. Tell us. Yeah, so, so my daughter is a senior in college. She's driving a 2002 automobile, and she's been told by the dealer that her wheel-bearing is, is, is on the verge of failure. Um, and that's about as close as they can get. They can't tell her whether she's got two months or six months. But a wheel bearing is a safety item that you don't leave to chance because when it does fail, it's just really not a good thing. If, well, let's suppose, and this may be 10, 15 years in the future, but the machine tool makers are doing it today. There were sensors on board that would measure the vibration and the heat associated with that bearing and compare that not just to her vehicle but to 
tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of other vehicles mm-hmm. and come back with an accurate prediction that you know, you've got two months' life left in that bearing before it's likely to fail catastrophically, she could then make a decision of, great, well, I've got two months in before I have to sell this car. And that's driving real value to her as, as a driver of that automobile. And that's a critical critical component to safety. I have a quick comment, and then we are going to take a break. I drive a sports car with low-profile tires. Every time the temperature changes dramatically and I'm on Long Island, so you know what we've been going through this winter, maybe not the snow of Boston, but boy, is it cold. A little yellow light comes on the dash and indicates that the tire pressure is low. So I go to my mechanic, and they bring out the compressor, and they smile at me, and they fill it up, and they say, okay, we gave you a little extra pressure. It'll be fine, Bonnie. Drive a half a mile, and the sensor will go off and the dash will be quiet. Well, that usually happens, but last week I drove a half a mile and the damn yellow light came on again and again and again. So now the question is, am I in danger? Do I have seriously low pressure in the tires? Do I have a tire about to fail? They promised to order new tires. They never did. So I have no clue other than a little flashing yellow light on the dash that tells me something is going on with the tire pressure. And you know what? On that note, we're going to take a break because Josh Greenbaum, Joe Barkai, and Tom Wright are all just ready to go get the crystal ball and polish it off and get ready to tell me their predictions. We're talking about the future of the connected car. Vroom! And I'm wondering who's going to be driving and making it go vroom. Let's talk about the year 2020 when we come back, and I'll tell you exactly how much time we have. Don't even think of touching that mouse. Oh, you know the deal. Let's take a break. Michael, out. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as business simplification, insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, business networks and supply chains, and the ever-present need for speed are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. The Future of Business with Game Changers is presented by SAP Services. Visit www.sap.com. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to the future of business with Game Changers. And we're back with our Crystal Ball Predictions round kicking us off. 
are kicking us in. I, sh- I really have to change that. Is Josh Greenbaum at EAC Consulting. Josh, it's been a great conversation with you and our other two panelists. We can't wait to hear what you predict. So, the connected car, Vroom 2020, or what do you see in the crystal ball? Well, I think 2020 is a little early to to to, to call the you know the the this this story in any way an endgame. But I would look into the next five or ten years and see a couple of things. First of all, I really I really do see we're going to make tremendous progress towards a you know a self healing car, and I like that idea as, as you know we've talked about monetization, and I think we want to give some value to the the customer there. The car that can actually be be a lot more diagnostic, not just not just as as something you plug into the mechanic shop and hopefully they you know they tell you what some of these codes mean and and then and then give you an outrageous bill, but one that really does actually have the the internal ability to both understand what's going on. Communicate with the driver and give the empower the driver to understand what's wrong with the car and what needs to be fixed. I think that's a big shift from the the mumbo jumbo black box that we've been black boxes we've literally been putting in cars for a long time. So I I want to I want a self healing car maybe not in five years but certainly in the next ten. And then while I don't think that the driverless car is something I'm I'm going to look forward to, I think there's going to be a lot of driver assist capabilities and technologies that's going to make it a whole lot safer for people to drive. I like the idea that we, we can have vision systems. We can have w- ways in which we, we avoid side swiping. We avoid blind spots. We avoid mm-hmm. hitting kids in the, you know, kids biking out of their driveway at 30 miles an yep. hour. I want a safer place to live uh, with this vehicle that I have to drive every day anyway. Those those are my two hopeful predictions for the near future. Thank you. We will hope alongside with you, and I still won't sing, baby. You can drive my car. Joe Barkai, industry analyst, you've got one minute for predictions. Go ahead. Sure. So first off, in the automotive business, five years is today because this is roughly the cycle of getting the technology uh, to the market, although we're getting better. So in the next five years, maybe up to 2020, uh, activity will continue and we'll see a plethora of kind of new features, some already in place. Josh mentioned active safety, uh, et cetera. Um, uh, we'll see more, much more improvement in streaming more content uh, to the car. So cars as individual vehicles, with perhaps some connectivity for diagnostics and services, um, insurance um, applications and so on, this will continue to improve and we'll have a great time with those. I don't see the true connected cars as bringing new value uh, to consumers to the market uh, as, as being here uh, in five years. Uh, the truly connected cars, autonomous driving cars that connect to the infrastructure to manage traffic and manage location better, that's going to take longer than that. Um, I, and maybe I've been in the industry for too long, but I'm not seeing self-healing cars and anything of that nature uh, in the horizon. Not so much technology, but because of the business and the margins that don't exist. Um, so I'm not seeing that uh, that happening in the thank you, in, Joe. In the time from thank you. Thank you. I need to Thomas. Right, I've got about 45 seconds for you. So go ahead, predictions. Yeah, so I'll be brief. I, I think the biggest th- change we're going to see, or the biggest continuation in the next five years, is something that uh, Joe had alluded to about the digital identity. So, um, like a lot of us, I drive a lot of rental cars, and whether it's a rental car or a personal vehicle, that seamless integration between your personal mobile device, whether it's an Android or an iOS, and the vehicle you get into so that you can get content streamed directly, you can keep your music, you can keep your phone, the, you know, the, the integration of things like hands-free 
technologies. And the other big trend, and, uh, and Josh alluded to this, is the pushdown in a lot of the active safety devices that you're now seeing in the high-end Mercedes and Lexus vehicles and others, BMWs, will begin to become prevalent in more moderately priced vehicles for lane detection and blind spot, which will have a huge safety impact. But it's still going to be a driver behind the wheel. Thank you very much, and I'm hoping that's me. Josh Greenbaum, EAC Consulting. Thank you so much, Joe Barkai, Industry Analyst. Thank you, Tom Wright. Thank you. Glad you could join us. Shout out to Dave Fowler, the sponsor of this series, and your wonderful team, Katie and Mark Al and SAP Services. I have a quick prediction. I've got 30 seconds here. I predict that next week we're going to be on the air with Digital World with Game Changers, with the debut of Game Changing Women, new series. We're going to be on the air with Coffee Break with Game Changers, the Customer Edge with Game Changers, and Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. I know it just makes your head spin. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. Regardless of what kind of car it's in, you'll probably still have to wear a seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a Game Changer today. Signing off for the Future of Business with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP Services. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.